Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. What is up, Wizards fans? Uh, back by popular demand, we will be doing a NBA draft prospect preview profile breakdown thing. Last year before the tournament, we went through and did a podcast on all the draft prospects playing on Thursday of the first round of the NCAA tournament, did a separate podcast on all of the ones for Friday. That was pretty positively reviewed and I think probably one of our best listened to episodes of the year, to be honest. So uh, yeah, we're going to say back by popular demand. We're going to do the same thing today. This episode will be Thursdays. Uh, prospects. Uh, so first round games, I've got Stone Hansen of the Upside Swings podcast coming on for this one. So we'll just kind of rapid fire through as many of them as we can. If there are guys you hear or see during the tournament that you want more in-depth uh, analysis of, you know, later in the season or after the tournament, we can definitely do that for you. But want to at least kind of superficially cover the guys that might be noteworthy come tournament time. And some of these will be a little deeper cuts than others and sleepers. But I think Thursday is probably the more stacked day from an NBA draft perspective. So should be a good episode. And if you're familiar with these guys or get to see any of them play on the first day here, I think it'll probably give you a pretty good introduction to stuff uh, come draft time. The Wizards are looking to be kind of like early to mid lottery right now. If the season ended there in the 12 spot at the time of this recording would give them like the sixth best odds in the NBA draft lottery. So, you know, any of these guys that are lottery range should be interesting. They also have two second round picks at the moment, one in the 30s, one probably later, you know, maybe in the 50s, something like that. So kind of a wider range of guys. And now that hopefully we're making better use of our G League team based on recent results, uh, some of these undrafted guys could be valuable as well. So we'll we'll hit all of those. As always, we were brought to you by Stateside Vodka and their Surfside Hard Iced Teas. Hopefully it's getting warm here soon because I think they'll be even more delicious on a nice day. And post college basketball season, I'm looking forward to just like reading a book, sitting out on my deck and uh, drinking a couple adult beverages and pretending that the wizard season is mercifully coming to an end which it seems like it might be given recent plays. So we've got that to look forward to. Also brought to you by Bet Bet BetOnline remains your number one source for all your sports betting needs this season. Everything from NFL playoffs to pro and college basketball, UFC, MMA, and more. You'll always find the latest team odds, team matchup info, player news, and game trends at BetOnline. With live betting options, free contests, and live scores for almost any sport or game imaginable, BetOnline is truly the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite leagues and events. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to join and receive your 50% off welcome bonus on your first deposit. Make sure to use your promo code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, to receive your rewards. Bet online, where the game starts. Okay, with that, let's get to my conversation with Stone Hansen, again, of the Upside Swings podcast, and we will be hitting the Thursday prospects from the NCAA tournament. Okay, pleased to welcome on Stone Hansen of the Upside Swings podcast. Stone, thanks for being here. Thank you for having me. It's good to be back on again. I always love repeat guests, especially ones with your depth of knowledge here, and I think you'll make me smarter about who to pay attention to on Thursday. Uh, just on a personal note, I will be in sunny San Diego, although it'll only be like 60 degrees. I'm going to be posted up in a sports bar all day on Thursday, starting at 9 a.m. for the Maryland game. And I'll probably t- honestly be too drunk to remember half of these games, but that's what <laughs> DVR is for. And I'll have this podcast to go back and uh, listen to to figure out who who I need to get smarter on. So 
with that, maybe let's start uh, the first game of the tournament. My Maryland Terrapins taking on uh, the West Virginia. Uh, I was going to say hillbillies and be mean, but that's not fair. I <laughs> I love our West Virginia brethren. Just a joke. Not a ton of prospects in this game. Um, maybe like a Hakeem Hart ends up on a two-way somewhere down the road. Maybe, but I doubt it. Yeah, there's just not really anybody um, that comes to mind that's NBA worthy, I don't think, in this game. Um, it should be a fun college game, but mm-hmm. I, I don't really see uh, anybody worth discussing too much um, on either of these rosters as, as future NBA picks. There was like once upon a time, I thought Trey Mitchell might be an NBA guy, and then he just has bounced around and, and not really seemingly gotten better at college basketball in multiple years, so... I would probably rule him out playing like meaningful NBA minutes at this point. Although I do think there's like a little bit there that's maybe kind of intriguing from a G League perspective. Yeah, possibly. Um, But yeah, I I think um, there's more. It's more college based for me in terms of his excitement and and any sort of hype. Um, But uh, yeah, I mean, maybe some of these guys find their way towards the G League or um get get overseas contracts um but i'm not sure anyone that the wizard specifically would be interested in in this game agreed i I have this theory where like the g league should try to latch on to like regional g league draft picks and that Mm. might be a way to like build excitement for people's g league team so if a couple terps ended up on the go-go next year Mm -hmm. that might be a way to get a few extra butts in seats but uh, that That'd doesn't seem to be something that appeals to them. So I don't know. Maybe we'll see. Maybe we'll see Hakeem Hart or Dante Scott or Jameer Young or one of these guys play a few minutes and, and that would be cool. Um, just keeping it rolling to the next game. The next one is at 1240 Eastern time on True TV. It's Furman against Virginia. Oh, sorry. That first game is at 1215 Eastern time and that's on CBS. So the second game, 1240 True TV, Furman, Virginia. Uh, Reese Beekman of Virginia, probably the only like draftable ish prospect of this game um six three guard what do you think of him think there's any possibility he's a draft pick at the end of the day uh yeah i think that there's definitely intrigue with him um probably more of a second rounder at this point but uh definitely like this interesting three and d type point guard Mm -hmm. um that i think people would be uh have have their eyes on as you know possibly like a a decent guy around pick 40 or something. Um, Furman actually does have a guy as well. I haven't watched him too much yet, to be honest, so I don't want to um, speak out of context. But I do know that there's a lot of intrigue around Jalen Slauson for Furman. Um, definitely more of a like a second-round guy, I think, for most people. Mm-hmm. Um, but just another name to throw out there. I watched literally a five-minute highlight reel before this podcast <laughs> just because uh, – I saw his name a couple times and, and you and I had briefly talked about him and I wanted to at least say I had seen him physically dribble a ball at some point. Again, <laughs> looks like kind of a good college player, kind of just solid all around. It seemed like I did see he was their con- uh, conference defensive player of the year last year. Kind of that six, seven wingy type guy seemed to handle the ball a lot. So I guess maybe anytime you can defend and be a point forward, that'll attract a little attention from NBA teams. Yeah, and from what I know, he's uh, a big part of their identity as a team, as like a defense first team. Mm. Um, obviously, he's getting like two steals and two blocks a game at the college level. So he's he's been a big part of that just identity as a whole for Furman. 
I've got UVA on like kind of upset alert on this one. For anybody who hasn't seen Furman, they're like pretty good. It, that wouldn't shock yeah. me um, that this is like a slugfest and Furman pulls away, you know, <laughs> late or something. I'd agree. Uh, all right. Next game, 140 Eastern time on TNT, uh, Utah State and coached by Ryan Odom, uh, kind of former local product here at UMBC. So he's the one that led that UMBC over UVA team. Uh, they play Missouri and probably the only like prospect of note potentially here is Kobe Brown of Missouri, 6'8 forward. Uh, what do you think about Kobe Brown? Uh to be 100% honest, I haven't watched a whole lot of him yet. Um, I'm doing a lot of uh, prospects from sort of starting from the top going towards the bottom. Mm-hmm. Uh, I watched a little bit of him uh, last year. <clears throat> it was interesting. Um, I think that there's, from what I know, he's improved his three-point percentage uh, quite a bit this year. Um, I think that's what would bring any sort of hype towards him uh, because he struggled with that in the past. Um but as far as this year, I can't speak too much on it because I just haven't watched enough games. I'm in a similar boat. Uh, Missouri kind of plays that up-tempo, fast-paced. I think maybe that's some of his production is a product of system, potentially. But uh, it seems like a reasonable do-it-all kind of forward who will you know, guard at a decent rate. And maybe he spaces the floor well enough to, to end up a, a worthwhile late second round kind of guy. But not like a game changer to me. I, I know we're in a like a group chat with some draft guys that that are kind of hyped about him and stuff, but <laughs> I seemingly haven't uh, felt enough of an urge to commit to watching him a, a ton here either. So we'll, we'll keep this one moving. Uh, if you all watch that game and you think anything of Kobe Brown, you can let us know and and we'll uh, we'll talk about him later if, if it's worth it. Uh, two, good. 2 p.m. Eastern time, TBS, local team. Glad to see them make the tournament. Howard against Kansas. Really tough matchup for Howard, unfortunately. <laughs> Uh, Kansas just lost coach Bill Selfer, the, the last part of the, uh, big 12 tournament to some heart issues, seeming like, like he'll be back. And I would think that they're probably pretty heavy favorite here. Unfortunately for Howard, the first prospect of note probably to talk about here is six foot eight freshman wing guard wing forward type, uh, shooter, I guess, uh, Grady Dick. What do you think of Grady? Uh, he is really interesting. I mean, he's probably definitely a, a top 10 pick somewhere. And mm. I would say the, where the wizards possibly end up in their range. Um, and he is, uh, just an electric shooter, someone that is very versatile as a shooter. He's not going to be just like a catch and shoot type guy. He can decelerate and transition, come off pin downs and curls, things like that. Um, he is, he, he can't create a whole lot on his own with athletic ability and and handle, but he's super crafty in terms of using like pump fakes or little jabs um, and and just crafty little things to sort of mitigate the problems he has athletically to create space. So he can do like straight line drives and things like that, just based on these little things he does. Um, And then defensively, he's definitely more of like a really good team and help defender. He rotates very well, um, is constantly in the right place at the right time. Uh, on ball is definitely going to be a bit of an issue. I think that he struggles uh, to contain guys. He definitely tries. Um, he just isn't quite there yet in terms of uh, what he can do physically uh, to bother guys that have the ball. I'm glad you mentioned the word versatile in front of shooter there, because I, I think there's at least a few people that are listening to this going, uh-oh, six foot eight white shooter in the wizard's range. <laughs> Didn't we already do that uh, with uh, Corey Kispert? But but to me, he he does give you kind of more options. He shoots better off movement. He's kind of craftier, like you said. I, I think there's more um, 
upside offensively. He's probably not the cutter Corey Kispert is. He's also four years younger. So that's a thing that people learn and can be taught and all that kind of stuff. But I actually think he's like held up reasonably well defensively. He's also playing a lot of like next to high level college defenders. So that probably helps him. But and you know, anyone looking at this is just like, oh, okay, it's a white guy that shoots. I think there's a lot more to his game than just that. I would agree. Yeah, it's definitely not just your your typical, um, you know, three and and sometimes D type type wing. Um, I think that he's uh, very, like I said, very crafty with what he does. Really good finisher too. I think um, somebody that uh, is more athletic around the rim than you might think. Um, and he's definitely like he's caught lobs throughout the year for Kansas. So um, he's he's no slouch in that regard. Bill Self is like better at drawing up lobs for his wings than like anyone else that's probably ever lived. I feel like, you know, the like Ochai Baji, like out of, you know, sideline out of bounds lob somehow, like they're doing <laughs> that for Grady Dick this year. So I, I think um, if he came in and, and had kind of a similar role, it, it wouldn't surprise me. Uh, next one here, Jalen Wilson. I don't really know what he is as an NBA player, but I also just like to watch him play college basketball. Like, not crazy efficient. I also love Kyle Kuzma. So maybe there's something of that. He's like college Kuzma, you know, like <laughs> six, eight reasonable athlete puts the ball on the floor, runs some offense for them. I, again, like the shooting form looks okay to me. Just doesn't go in as much as I would expect it to. Um, some of that shot selection, probably like a second round guy, I would imagine. Where are you at with Jalen Wilson? Yeah. Um, I, I- I'm sort of in the same boat where I like him. I just don't know how much I like him as an <laughs> okay. NBA guy. Yeah. Um, he is uh, definitely sort of like a jack of all trades type guy where I think that he's um, gotten a lot more comfortable with his shot throughout this year uh, than years prior. Um, even though the percentages might not show it in a huge degree, I think he's he definitely looks better just as a shooter when you watch film. Um, he is uh, defensively, I think, holds his own. Um, I don't think he's like a huge... Uh, event creator defensively um, but he's not going to be like burned every time down the floor either so he's kind of just like um, a decent defender uh, and then the, he does like put the ball on the floor he can finish really well because of his strength mostly he's very strong um, and he also shows like this ability to stop and pop from the mid-range so uh, there's there's a kind of a bit of everything to his game um, I think there's uh, the reason he may not be talked about higher is there's not usually like one definitive thing you can say about Jalen Wilson that he's going to bring to an NBA team. I think I've kind of moved away from the idea of like, here's this guy that brings this one thing to the table, which is like a thing that people seem to look for in the late first, early second. Like, here's his specialty. To yeah. me, like a guy that you can put out there and he might be able to contribute in lots of different ways, depending on situation or matchup or even people he's playing next to. I think that's that's really intriguing. So let me know what you think about this. My other new theory is that power forward is actually the most important position in the NBA right now because you have to be able to guard wings. You got to be able to switch down and guard bigs. Everybody's switching at least one through four. So you probably have to be able to stay in front of point guards. So that sort of athletic four is like super valuable in today's NBA right now. And they're the hardest to find productive guy. So Wilson being sort of like not really a point four, but guy who can create a little bit for others and himself. Um, and not a great defender probably at any position, but could be serviceable at like one through four and maybe even some small fives. Um, that just intrigues me enough that if I were picking at like 42, he's a name I would definitely be looking at. 
Yeah, for me, um, he's probably going to wind up around that 40 range for me. So someone that, uh, you know, I probably look to prioritize a little bit in the second round. Um, definitely not just sort of like another name in the second round. Um, but yeah, I think that four is becoming increasingly more important because you have to have lineups in today's league where you can go small, small ball and that small ball for a big part of being able to do that is a four that spaces uh and and wilson looking a lot more comfortable this year i think plays a big part in that so uh i i think it's definitely like okay to have him um it's not wild or anything to have him in the late first or anything yeah agreed yeah if some team you know thought they could improve the shooting enough to make him worthwhile late first it, it wouldn't shock me his other teammate here I'm also just kind of intrigued by for kind of a similar reason is Kevin McCuller, 6'6 wing. If you watch college basketball at all the last couple of years, you probably saw him at Texas Tech. He kind of jumped ship here and and probably rightly so moved over to Kansas. 6'6 wing defender, played like some point guard the last couple of years, probably less so with this Kansas team, but uh, does a little bit of everything, can create some offense. Not really a great offensive player himself. He's never going to score like 25 points in an NBA game, probably, but switchable, maybe one of the better defenders in college basketball. Um, where are you at with Kevin McCuller? Yeah, I'm super in on McCuller. Um, he's definitely a bit older uh, than I typically prefer to take as someone in the first round, which might surprise some people, but he's definitely a first round guy for me. Like um, because as you mentioned, the the defense is exceptional. I think he's probably mm-hmm. uh, maybe the best defender in this class in terms of uh, perimeter defense, sticking with guys on drives, very technically proficient with footwork and things like that. Um the question more so with McCuller is, can he do enough offensively to not be a liability? Right. Uh, I think that that's sort of the question everybody has. And um, to me, uh, it's worth that risk when you bring that level of defense. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that he looked a lot more comfortable, much like Jalen Wilson, just shooting three. The numbers may not say it, but he just when you watch film uh, compared to what he did at Texas Tech, he just looks a lot more comfortable uh, and a lot more decisive off catch and shoot and things like that when he's getting the ball. Um, he, he's a point guard. Uh, he's labeled as a point guard. I don't think he plays a ton of point guard in the NBA because um, what if what he's doing is very simplistic, it seems like, for Kansas. Um, and it's for just Texas bringing Tech. the ball up court, basically, right? Like <laughs> yeah. He doesn't run much. Yeah, he's not, he's not initiating a ton of plays, per se. Um, he, he he can handle the ball, which is decent, um, but he's not doing it to the point where he's cons- consistently self-creating for himself uh, to get open shots. He's definitely more of someone I think that you're, you're going to be playing off ball a little bit uh, in the NBA and hope that that three-point percentage is high enough as a catch-and-shoot guy. Not probably like the greatest comp, and I don't know, comps are weird sometimes anyway, but just for Wizards fans, just to get an idea of like the kind of role he might play in the NBA, like a DeLon Wright is probably not crazy, you know, not like a super creative guy, but he also doesn't stop the ball. Not the most prolific shooter, but also if he were wide open, I wouldn't be shocked if he knocked him down at a decent clip and kind of that versatile perimeter defender. You think that is like a reasonable role translation kind of thing for him? Yeah, I think that that role would suit him. I think Wright's probably played a little bit more point than McCuller may be able to take on, mm-hmm. but I think um, and just in terms of the value too, like I think Wright is super undervalued across the NBA. And for me, like in whatever draft you went, like, I don't think there's really a whole lot of argument to him not being a first round pick. Like he provides back in first value just with the level of defense that he has is just not talked about in that way. 
Yep, totally with you. All right, the next one, this is probably one of the, I don't know, I would say popcorn games, but but not really. It's popcorn if you like draft prospects because you're going to see some of these guys <laughs> go absolutely apeshit, I think. The 245 game on CBS. Um, Alabama against Southeast Missouri State or Texas A&M Corpus Christi. I, I don't think there's any potential upset here to me. Alabama is the best team in the tournament, and they're led by <laughs> six foot nine freshman wing, I guess, let's say, uh, Brandon Miller. Most people listening to the show have heard of Brandon Miller. We've talked about him a good amount, but anything you want to throw in on, on Brandon Miller, any takes you want to get off your chest on, on Brandon Miller? Uh, probably nothing new that people haven't heard already. Um, well, for, for me, I guess the hottest take would be, I don't think for me, he's a top three pick. Um, Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people would disagree with that, but that's no knock on Brandon Miller either. I do really like him still. I just don't view him quite that high. Uh, but he is like a really awesome shooter, especially off of movement really has improved his passing throughout the season too. That's something that has stood out to me. Um, and I think separates him from a lot of the other sort of shooting wings in this draft that a pe- that people will like a lot uh, because I do think he's become really like an awesome <clears throat> passer in his own right, mm-hmm. uh, either self-created or secondary sort of creation, which is interesting to me. Um, defensively, uh, I think that uh, he holds his own for sure. I think that there's issues off ball, but um, that's not devastating for him as a player or anything. So uh, it, he's definitely the name to watch in this game that I think, you know, everybody will be tuning in for. He's also like mixing it up more as the season goes on. I don't know if that's strength or confidence or them kind of forcing the issue, but you see a lot more 11, 12, you know, rebound kind of games than you did early in the season. And he's also like going to the hoop and trying to put guys on posters and stuff. And and I felt like he kind of shied away from that early in the year too. So uh, this is a guy that, I don't know, the reporting is that maybe he's moved on in the top two on some team's boards. Uh, we'll see how that actually plays out. Doesn't seem like the um, the gun related stuff is holding him back at the moment. So it'll be interesting to see where he ends up. A couple other guys here. I just want to get your perspective on if if they're NBA players. I, I don't really kind of get the hype personally on Noah Clowney. So I was wondering if you could kind of fill us in for folks and, and just at a high level, he's a six ten forward who is good at dunking. And is there anything I'm <laughs> I'm missing with him? I think the idea of Clowney is what people are really into. Um, mm. Clowney, I've gone back and forth with. And to be honest, I just I really have to do like sit down and, and not focus on anybody else but Clowney f- yeah. for some of these games. Um, <clears throat> he's someone that flashes like really quick hips defensively who can switch on the perimeter and, and be this guy that's really like lanky and, and plays multiple positions up and down. Um, the lineup where he can guard wings because his hips flip so quickly, but also um, is a really good like help side shot blocker. Um, I have to watch more to really have a definitive opinion on what he can be as a primary type shot blocker. Uh, early on in the season, I know that there was a lot of three-point shooting that people were intrigued with. Um, and I think that that's sort of the idea people have of him um, for them. Maybe might not watch him a ton uh, where he's this uh, sort of switchy guy who can also block shots, but also shoot threes. I think the idea of that is, is a lot more um, than what the reality is currently of him. But uh, I, I need to just sit down and focus on Clowney for a couple of games to really uh, like pinpoint where I'm going to have him on my board. He is one of two six nine slash six ten ish athletic guys that I heard someone compare to Amari Stoudemire at some point <laughs> during the year, and 
Uh, as an Amari Stoudemire fan, I find that blasphemous, and I think people forgot how good <laughs> Amari is. But if you're 6'10 and you dunk well, I guess that's that's all we're counting as Amari at this point. Um, <laughs> the other name here, and this is not a guy that's really that interesting to me right now from an NBA perspective, but if I were running a G League team, I would very much want like Charles Bidiaco to be my like center of my Capital City go-go at some point because I feel like that kind of guy is just valuable as like a big 6'10-ish, like burly rim protectory type. Do you see any chance for Bidiaco to be like a real NBA player, I guess, down the road? You you picked the right person for this podcast because I'm probably the biggest Bidiaco fan in there the world. There we land. go. Um, I, I, and he's, I'm not going to hype him up as anything like a first round pick or anything. Sure. I, he's, for me, he's a worthwhile guy, like in the late second that I would mm-hmm. definitely take a chance on. Um, he's someone I watched, uh, since high school and he played for team Canada, I believe, uh, in, in high school where he's, um, I mean, he's probably bigger than six ten. He's just super yeah, long, sure. uh, super burly. Um, he has gotten a lot quicker in the short role in terms of making passes out of that. Uh, and he's just somebody that plays his role really, really well. He's um, just a, a rim runner who is going to be there to block shots uh, and do one thing basically on offense, which is stay in the dunker spot and, mm-hmm. and get ready for lobs or putbacks. Um, and that's about it. Like I said, he's he's evolved his game a little bit to be a part of the short role as in pick and rolls, but uh, he does basically those three things, but he just does them really well. So uh, to me, he's worth definitely taking a look in the uh, probably 50 to 60 range. It's just a guy that like gets no love or hype. He averages like six and six or something. But like you watch him and he's like, oh, he shut down that other big guy. Oh, he shut down yeah. this other big guy. <laughs> like, OK, uh, you need some dirty work, guys. Uh, the other one for Alabama, Jaden Bradley, not super big on him myself. What What do you think of Bradley? I think Bradley's probably more of a 24 guy, yeah, uh, if I'm being honest. Um, he's He's got flashes, but I think we're going to want to see him in a, in a bigger role uh, come next year once Miller leaves. Um, but he's someone that, I mean, has a lot of intrigue. Um, I think that uh, if he can be sort of this, um, uh, just a bigger offensive weapon uh, moving forward, that there's, there's you know, first round upside and, and maybe even more for him uh, come next year. I like it. Um, all right, let's... Anyone from that game we're missing, or is that pretty? pretty I think good? that's about it. Yeah. All right. Next game, probably no NBA prospects here, unless I'm, I'm missing somebody. It's the three ten game on True TV, Charleston against San Diego State. Uh, Charleston just has like a lot of solid college basketball players, and and four or five guys that could get you 15 points in a game. And San Diego State is really good at defense and love to play rock fights and. I don't know, maybe Matt Bradley, their guard, can score 25 points and that's enough for them to like win the game 50 to 42 or something. But uh, no one here I can really think of as an NBA guy. Anybody uh, in your mind? No, there's. Um, this is probably one of the few games that just really doesn't have anybody. That um, there, There's nobody I think that's uh, worthwhile to really, if you're, if you're watching for any sort of NBA prospects, this is probably not a worthwhile game. Uh, but if you like college basketball, it may be. Yeah. Charleston's fun. San Diego state's really not. So it'll be interesting to see which style kind of, <laughs> kind of wins out there. If you like defense, I guess maybe San Diego state would be more appealing. Uh, the next game at four ten on TNT is Princeton against Arizona. Probably the two front court guys for Arizona are the ones that are reasonably ish on NBA draft radar. 
There's Azulis Tabellis, sort of a 6'11-ish forward, and Umar Balo, uh, transfer from Gonzaga a couple years ago, came over with Tommy Lloyd. I don't know, 6'11-ish center. Uh, e- either of these guys, meaningful NBA players in your mind or prospects that you like? Um, I mean, I th- of the two, I think Tubelis is probably the one that people are, are probably would be more interested in, or mm-hmm. at least NBA teams might be more interested in. Sure. Uh, a big man who is really productive at the college level. Um, I just don't know how much it translates to the NBA level. I think that he's uh, not quite the defender you want and, and someone that's going to have issues staying on the floor like in the playoffs or anything. So uh, to me, he's not somebody I would consider um, as as a draft pick, but I know a lot of people are going to disagree with that just because of how productive he is at the college level. Um, th- there's a couple guys on Arizona that are interesting to me that are probably just not 23 guys that maybe down the road would be interesting. Uh, one of those is Henry Vassar or Visar. Um, I don't know exactly how to pronounce his name yet. I'll figure that out uh, from Estonia, but has be- uh, gone to Arizona. Um, he's really interesting uh, internationally when I watched him. Uh, can shoot threes, uh, can uh, do a lot of like just funky things offensively um, as like a passer and, and driver uh, for his size. Uh, he's he's a center or power forward, but he's a he's got center height. Um, and then defensively is like a really good help side chop blocker. Um, and then they also had a couple guys that got um, kind of maybe not the uh, the expectations were higher than what they had for this season. Um, with uh, Pele Larson, someone that is like a really awesome shooter, uh, just hasn't really shown to be a whole lot more than that. Uh, Kerr Creesa was a point guard who um, has like really tough shot making skills. Uh, another Estonian that Arizona seems to love, but is just not able to um, consistently provide like the point guard value you would want uh, as, as a playmaker or passer. Um, and then also you have, uh, I'm throwing a lot of guys at you. I'm just trying no, to go through it. them quickly. Uh, Adama Ball, who's like this super long lanky wing um, from France who... Uh, I think I had higher hopes for this season um, because he is uh, just so intriguing as this huge jumbo guard um, who can also defend at a pretty high level. Uh, The offense just hasn't come around in a meaningful enough way for him to be a 23 guy. You may have mentioned, folks, if you're listening, that several international names from this team, Arizona coach Tommy Lloyd was sort of the international recruiter at Gonzaga before taking over. And uh, we've all heard about Gonzaga ties between the Wizards and um, Tommy Shepard and, and that coaching staff, Tommy Lloyd is his boy from international scouting in you know, in past years. So they've seen each other around the world. And it wouldn't be surprising to me if the Wizards kind of kept an eye on a couple of these Arizona guys moving forward as well. So if we had the first Estonian NBA player at some point <laughs> in time, uh, it wouldn't surprise me. Although I don't think it'll be Kirk Kreisa, despite him being a pretty fun college player to watch when he decides to be good at basketball. Uh, this next game might be probably the one with the most prospects potentially of the whole day. I think mm-hmm. uh, at 430 on TBS, we have Illinois against Arkansas. Uh, the the names to note here, Anthony Black, six foot seven. Let's just say point guard. I'm going to do it. Uh, Nick Smith, six four combo guard. Uh, he won't be playing in this tournament because he's out with an injury for the rest of the year. Uh, Trayvon Brazil, six ten, super athletic forward. Ricky Council, six foot five, transfer uh, in this year, just kind of a guy that will go score things. And then you've got Jordan Walsh. I don't know if he comes out this year, and if he does, he gets drafted. 
but he's six foot seven, crazy athletic. Uh, any guys on this Arkansas list that you want to spend some time with, or you're particularly high on, or maybe higher than consensus on? Um, I think both the guards you listed, I might be a little higher on than than people have. Uh, I have them currently at like five and six for me. Um, I, like I think uh, Nick Smith is. Uh, someone I watch, I watched both of them actually quite a bit in high school. Nick Smith is someone that has awesome touch. Um, is showed at the Arkansas level in a small sample size because of injury that he can be um, a really efficient scorer. Uh, somebody that uh, can shoot in a variety of ways, uh, can create his own shot. Um, is not going to be like just a purely catch and shoot guy, but has a lot of dribble moves to get himself open. Um, struggles as a finisher. That's the one area I think that people have concern about him offensively because uh, he's just a really slight frame and can't absorb contact very well. Uh, and just not a super versatile finisher. But at the same time, his floater is so deadly that he doesn't necessarily need to get there all the time because he can stop from 10, 12 feet out and just put up a floater. Uh, and usually it's, you always feel like it's going to go in. Um, and at the point guard level uh, or at the high school level, he played a lot more point guard than he's able to been to be able to play at Arkansas uh, where he was um, with uh, Kalel Ware. Uh, I don't know if you know the Shaq and Kobe meme that everyone uses on Twitter, um, but that was them in high school for Little Rock. They were just dominating and uh, Nick Smith played a lot more of a point guard role where he's um, creating at a, at a higher level and, and being like primary initiating duties that I just don't think has, he's been able to show at a college level, but I still really buy at an NBA level. I also think he played a little with Brandon Miller at points in their like high school slash AAU uh, upbringing. They're from the same part of the country, which imagine having to guard that freaking <laughs> team. Uh, I love Nick Smith. He might be the guy I'm most irrationally high on. I think some of the things you pointed out are, are real concerns, but also Stuff that guys get better at throughout the course of a college season and when you've been hurt for most of the year, one, it's natural for you to shy away from contact. Two, we've seen it with Brandon Miller, you know, these young kind of wiry guys. It takes them some time to figure out what they can and can't finish. And, and Nick Smith hasn't gotten the chance to do that yet. Uh, if, if he's like a supernova scoring combo guard in the NBA three years from now, like I would not be shocked by that at all. And, and he's a guy I'll probably have, I don't know, top six on on my board as well, I think. Uh, Anthony yeah. Black is like a favorite among Wizards fans. We were kind of like hooked on the idea of a guy that can guard one through three, but also be a point guard. And we always have these like little tiny, you know, mini point guards. So having a big one for a change would be awesome. <laughs> I think Anthony Black is somebody that would look better if they'd had more real shooting throughout the year. I think he can actually defend it. I think he's a better athlete than he probably gets credit for. I don't think the shot's like broken, broken. Um, so I'm, I'm with you. And every year there's some big... I don't know, let's just say point wing type that like rises on draft boards uh, once they get to like work out. So it wouldn't shock me if if Anthony Black's that guy this year too. Yeah, I really like Anthony Black. Um, I think that sort of the roster construction, <laughs> excuse me, the roster construction at Arkansas has cramped his game a bit in terms of uh, he's much better in a free flowing offense and transition in a spaced out court, which Arkansas is pretty much none of those things. Um, but he is, a super high level passer, uh, somebody that I think you're, you're not going to appreciate the extent of his passing if you just watch his college games. But um, at Duncanville, when he played in high school at Texas, uh, super. Um, I mean, it was like Magic Johnson reminiscent of how he's controlling tempo and pace and, and that sort of thing. I'm not saying he's Magic Johnson, by yeah. the way, but um, <laughs> he is uh, very like 
just this massive point guard who can control tempo, control pace, very underrated athlete, as you mentioned. Um, someone that it comes across thin, but I don't think he's that thin. When you look at his thighs, he's like got massive legs and I think has the propensity to build up a lot of muscle. Um, and just an awesome defender. I think uh, at the point of attack, I don't love him. I think he dies on screens a bit too much, but I do think he can be a really effective uh, perimeter defender, uh, especially off the ball too as an event creator, someone that jumps passing lanes um, but doesn't gamble, over-gamble anything. Uh, I just really like Anthony Black. Uh, I think that even if the shot doesn't come around, he's just going to be a really high-level player that leads to winning basketball, and I really, really like that. So the shot opens up a lot more for him and and can maybe uh, you know, make him this uh, all-star, uh, perennial all-star type. But even if it doesn't come around, I'm not overly concerned about it because he does so many other things well. I'm not – okay, so my, like everybody listens to this, hears me talk draft. I have this philosophy that like – Yes, best player available is nice, but a guy never turned into the best player if you don't also have like a role or minutes for him. I think either Nick Smith or Anthony Black could like perfectly slot into this Wizards core and like make sense. Uh, and I think they do it in different ways, but Nick Smith next to Bradley Beal, kind of your turn, my turn. They can both create a little bit. I think Nick Smith's a better passer, as we mentioned, makes sense. And Anthony Black just like running the floor with these guys as like weapons around him is super intriguing to me. So either way, I think that's um, two good names. I've been crazy high on on Trayvon Brazil. I, I like to think I was like really mm-hmm. high on that bandwagon before people knew who he was <laughs> last year. Um, mm-hmm. And the injury kind of derailed what I thought would have been a really good year. So if he does decide to come out and is available at like 40, um, that that's a guy I would steal in a heartbeat just because I, I buy that being somebody that makes sense in like a playoff context longer term. Yeah, for sure. I would I would definitely take him around that range if I could. And if he does decide to come out, um, somebody that uh, became more of a spacer throughout um, mm-hmm. the later parts of his uh, game in Missouri last year and then showed uh, obviously in a very small sample size early on this year. Uh, and someone that is just a defensive menace. Um, he uh, can play like either wing or big defensively, um, which just opens up obviously a lot of lineup flexibility for whatever team he that he eventually goes to. Um, awesome shot blocker, uh, but also super long and can stay in front of guys on the perimeter. Um, so he, I mean, if you get a guy that can really defend like, three, four positions, um, but also spaces the floor uh, at a reasonable enough rate. Like that's, that's just an awesome player to have. Uh, so I'm, I'm right there with you. I would, if he comes out, I would definitely take him in the top 40 if, if possible. This is a dude that if he'd have played a whole healthy season, I think I would have been saying is a top 20 player at, by, by draft time. Like I really truly believe that that's just a player that makes sense in the modern NBA. So uh, he, he could be a steal in later rounds if, if the physical comes out well and everything. The other two names here, Coleman Hawkins from Illinois and Terrence Shannon Jr. from Illinois. Also, if you watched uh, Big 12 basketball last year and you watched Texas Tech, that's where you'll know Terrence Shannon from. Uh, Hawkins, 6'10", kind of a point forward floor spacery type. And and Terrence Shannon Jr., just sort of a, I don't know, 6'5"-ish combo-y guard type. Um, Both of these guys are probably like late first to mid second round picks, depending on the team and, and how it goes. Are, are you higher on either of those guys than I am maybe, or or would you go above consensus with either of them? 
Uh, possibly Terrence Shannon Jr. I think for me is the more interesting of the two. Um, I think that he's someone I followed for quite a bit. I think everyone really has. He's been in college basketball, um, for quite a long time, but, um, uh, Texas tech before this, he is, uh, really interesting with his athleticism. You always are every, every team is looking for someone that can just play valuable minutes on the wing as a defender, but can space the floor. I think Terrence Shannon Jr. can do both of those things. And I think he can drive really well. Um, his athletic ability, I think really propels that, uh, what he lacks in offensive creation. I think he just makes up with that athleticism. Um, he's a really great cutter off ball. Um, and he can react to defense, like, uh, in reactive senses where he's not, going to just run into guys um, and, and be someone that gets stripped all the time or anything like that. Um, the shooting isn't fantastic, but I buy it enough to be not a complete liability either. Um, there's not a whole lot mechanically wrong with him. Um, and I just really love his defense. He's He's got sort of all the tools uh, that you want. Um, and I think he can really be uh, like a an effective event creator um, defensively too. So He's someone I buy as more of a late first. Coleman Hawkins is definitely, for me, more of a second rounder. Mm-hmm. Um, he's got, I mean, interesting sort of uh, wing slash forward things about him, but I just, there, there's nothing to me that really pops with him. So um, I have to watch more to really pinpoint where I'm going to have him, much like Clowney. But I think that of the two, Terrence Chana Jr. is the one I'm, I'm a lot more intrigued by. There's that line from the movie Role Models where the guy that played McLovin in Superbad says, I like the idea of it more than I actually like it. <laughs> That's sort of how I feel about Coleman Hawkins. Like in a vacuum, a 6'10 guy that can dribble and shoot is interesting. But then I watch them and he's either really good or terrible. And that's sort of how <laughs> Illinois is. Um, Illinois to me could beat Arkansas or they could get crushed. And somehow if Arkansas gets past Illinois, uh, I feel like maybe they could upset Kansas. So keep an eye on them as the tournament moves on would be interesting. Uh, next game here at six fifty Eastern time on TNT Auburn plays Iowa. The only guy I really have as an NBA prospect out of this game of, of note is Chris Murray, brother of Keegan Murray. It's probably a guy I'll have top 20 at the end of the day. Just, I, I don't want to like be lazy here, but just for the interest of time, it's like the mirror version of, of Keegan Murray, you know, just, just lefty and they do similar ish things. Uh, there's a little, Variance in the game, but uh, where are you with Chris Murray? I really like Chris Murray, um, and I think uh, so for some people it may be surprising. I, I think I might like him more than his brother Keegan Murray. I think I do too. Um, he's uh, for me a better passer, uh, a better mover, just silky smooth mover who does a lot of like weird funky things. He can fit himself into tight spaces, but opens up a lot of passing creation for him. Um, and I think that the shooting is uh, much like his brother in terms of just being a really efficient uh, shooter and in someone that you'd really trust uh, defensively. I think that uh, there's a little bit of work to be done, but he's not a complete liability or anything either. So um, uh, to keep it short and brief and to the point, I like Chris Murray a lot. And I think um, there's there's more upside even than his brother Keegan last year. It's just like really solid. Like as a guy, I would not worry about like playing NBA minutes tomorrow and just being able to like keep up. So I, there's some value to that, I think. The next game here at 7-10 on CBS is Oral Roberts against Duke. Popular kind of upset talk, although Duke's been pretty hot lately. There's like a bunch of NBA-ish guys here. I think the main noteworthy ones, uh, 6-10 freshman forward Kyle Filipowski, 7-foot freshman center Derek Lively, 6-7 freshman 
And I got some grief for this earlier in the podcast. People were trying to correct me. I called him Derek Whitehead. It is D-A-R-I-Q. <laughs> and everyone said, no, it's Derek. Well, Duke's SID came out this year or this week and said it is actually Derek. So everybody can <laughs> F off. I do my homework <laughs> on this shit. Um, he's 6'6", six, six, kind of powerfully built. Uh, maybe a little before your time stone, but like high school Lance Stevenson, you know, like can put the ball on the floor a little bit, bully ball some people reasonable athlete. I do wonder how some of it translates. I think he's probably a much better shooter than Stevenson was. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see any of those guys you are particularly high on of the three. Um, well, thank you for correcting me. I've been calling him Derek, and we just recorded an episode uh, on him last night and we all called him Derek. So we're going to look like idiots, but uh, no one think... else is on that yet, by the way, half the broadcast <laughs> still say Derek. So you're ahead of the game, but they, 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 they yeah. mentioned that well, as a team. I'll be sure to call him Derek from now on and give you, you credit for correcting me. But uh, I, I do think that um, if you're going to evaluate Derek, I would not look at just his college sample size. He's one mm -hmm. of these people where high school really matters, I think. Um, he obviously, when you look at the context of injury and also the sort of team that he's on where he's pushed aside a little bit and he's coming off the bench more, um, in a more prominent role, and obviously the dominant Montford, probably one of the biggest dynasties of our lifetime. Um, <laughs> he is uh, an excellent shooter. Uh, he has been for Duke as well. Um, someone that off ball is super decisive, uh, either rips through uh, to get towards the rim or can decelerate really quickly to stop in the mid-range and pop or uh, just an excellent shooter uh, from three. Uh, showed a lot more propensity, I think, in the... Uh, high school level as being sort of a creator and passer. I think that that's wavered a little bit with the accessibility he adds to it because of injury and the um, explosiveness waning a little bit. Um, but he's someone I would still definitely consider as like a top 20 type guy. Uh, I'm higher on him than both the bigs. I'm not mm -hmm. sure if that's a consensus or not. I have to, I haven't been super active in looking at other right. people's boards. Okay. Yeah. Um, I know people like the bigs a little bit. Uh, I'm, pretty out on both of them actually uh, I think Filipowski has a lot of defensive concerns that I think I really struggle to see how he stays on the court in like a playoff setting um, but he obviously is offensively skilled enough to be super productive at the collegiate level for Duke I think that's where the entry comes in for him and people see him as like a really high level floor spacer who can also uh, pass out of the short roll or anything like that um, I just really struggle to see him staying on the court with the, with the defense that he has currently. Um, and then with Lively, uh, there's a, he was obviously super highly touted in high school. Um, someone that for a long time, I think ESPN had as the number one guy in this class. Uh, he has awesome athletic tools. Uh, someone that uh, can be a huge like lob threat. His catch radius is insane. And someone that uh, I think struggles as a primary rim protector, but is extremely uh, proficient as a help side type rim protector who's able to track the ball when he's not the one that's focusing um, on multiple people at a time. So uh, there's intrigue with him there. I think I like him a little bit more than Filipowski, but um, I don't think I'd take either really in the first round. Uh, the last guy they have, um, I'll just bring up really quick is Tyrese Proctor. Mm -hmm. I think that he, uh, for me, is more interesting than both the bigs they have actually. Uh, as the season has gone on, he's really started to turn it on as a shooter. And I think that that is really what makes him intriguing um, as a prospect, because without the shooting, I don't think that he's capable of being the point guard that he's been able to be for Duke. Um, he's 
a really strong pastor, uh, someone that needs to fill out a bit and, and become uh, more of a rim uh, threat uh, as a someone that can get to the rim. But um, as a passer and shooter, I really like the intrigue there and someone I would consider probably in the late first. I like it. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting next to Jeremy Roach, like he's also younger than the rest of the guys on this team too. So had to kind of learn on the fly here. The thing with Whitehead, they're not the same player. And that's not what I'm trying to say, but like similar to AJ Griffin last year where like he got a little bit up. Yeah. Yeah, you know, like he had to fit in kind of late in the season and, and maybe you don't see the full bag. Filipowski is like a really fun college player to me. I'm, I'm with you. I'm going to choose to focus on the things he does well and think he's probably just like a reasonable role player at the NBA level. Probably not much more than that, but I, I do really enjoy him as a college player. Uh, and then the other side of this game on the Oral Roberts side, you've got maybe the smallest productive player in this tournament in Max Asmus. They list him at 6'1". He's probably 5'11", I would think, realistically. <laughs> he shoots the unholy shit out of it, which is interesting. Uh, microwave scorer type. And then they've got seven foot three ish Connor Vanover, kind of a stretch big. Uh, he played at Cal and Arkansas before that and didn't really do anything. So I, I see him getting kind of bulldozed by these Duke bigs potentially here. I, I don't buy the upset as much as everybody, but I could look really stupid. One of my basketball highlights in life was being at the game where uh, CJ McCollum and Lehigh beat Duke in the NCAA tournament. So Another upset like that. Anytime Duke loses, it'll make me happy. Sorry to the Duke fans listening to this. Um, I don't know. Do you, do you see Ace Miss or, or Vanover being able to play in the NBA much at all? Uh, probably neither of them are guys I would personally take a pick on. Um, but uh, I mean, Ace Miss of the two would be someone I'd be probably more interested in giving like a two way to. Yeah. Uh, I think that um, despite his size, he, he might just be outlierish enough to, to maybe stick on a team because of just how insane of a shooter and scorer he is uh, he's been doing it for year after year for for or roberts and um he's just he's that good that you just want to be like uh i'll, I'll, I'll take it. somewhat yeah. of a chance on him yeah so um he's he's definitely the one uh that i prefer um the uh totally blanking on his name right now the Van time over. changes vanover thank you the time change has totally messed me up um vanover <laughs> vanover uh I, I don't really see as an nba guy i just don't i don't think he does enough to, to warrant any sort of nba roster yeah same uh, ace miss if he's a carson edwards max uh marcus howard chris clemens 10 day kind of guy a couple times wouldn't shock me at all um next game 725 tbs colgate against texas Colgate's like sneaky good. I got to see them play once uh, like for real this year against American, uh, which was which is interesting. American actually beat them. But uh, Dylan Mitchell, um, probably the most interesting guy for Texas. He was like a lottery pick before the year because he's six, seven and crazy athletic. I personally don't get it. Uh, Tyrese Hunter on their team, six, one ish point guard also might get some draft love. Either of those guys, uh, guys that interest you, I guess. Um, of the two, I prefer Hunter. Actually, okay. uh, I think that he is. Uh, he played for, uh, I believe, Iowa last year and was Iowa State. Uh, yeah. Iowa State, correct? Yeah. yeah. Um, super. Uh, I-, I loved him in high school, and I think at Iowa State, he definitely showed um, the passing propensity. Uh, someone that struggled with his shot, but I think has come around a little bit. Um, has uh, just can really just handle the ball at an insane level. I think he dribbles extremely well and can 
gives me hope for self-creation that eventually he could take advantage of the advantages that he himself creates. Um, the other guy on this team is uh, Dylan Daisu. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that people are might be interested in. Um, definitely, to me, more of like a two-way guy. I don't know if I'd, I'd spend a pick on him. Um, but he's sort of this like athletic, uh, lanky, uh, but also like well-built um, senior forward uh, who uh, has shown uh, in the past the ability to space the floor, but also like can defend multiple positions. Um, I just don't know if he does it at a high enough level to be effective at the NBA. So that's that's my view on those guys. And Dylan Mitchell to me is, is definitely more of a 24 guy at this point than a 23 guy. Yeah, definitely would be worth staying and showing he can do a little bit more in maybe a more team-friendly context. The guy that just has the best name on this team, Sir Jabari Rice, just uh, <laughs> floor spacer, is awesome. Not probably an NBA prospect, but I mentioned that only as a segue into the next game. 735, True TV, Boise State against Northwestern. Probably the actual best name in this tournament, uh, Northwestern's Boo Booey. That's just cool to me. <laughs> Not an NBA player probably, but just a fun guy to watch. Chase Adige uh, for Northwestern, also really interesting, but not really any NBA guys to me uh, in this game. Anybody I'm blanking on? No, no, not really. I don't think there's anyone worth spending a whole lot of time in this game on, unfortunately. Okay, we'll keep it moving. Uh, The next one, I think we'll have plenty of names to talk about here. 920 TNT, North Kentucky uh, plays Houston. Uh, Houston has Jairus Walker, 6'8". I don't know, let's just say power forward to keep it easy. Uh, probably a guy that's a guaranteed top 10 pick at this point, I would think. Marcus Sasser, six foot one ish scoring guard type, uh, probably anywhere from late first to early second. Uh, Terrence Arsenault, athletic guy that doesn't really play a ton for them yet. And to me, would be better suited by coming back next year. But I think everybody is pretty much consensus he's an NBA player at some point. Anyone else worth missing? And uh, of those three guys, anyone you want to spend kind of more time on? Uh, I don't think we're missing really anybody. Um, obviously, when uh, you have Cooper on eventually, he's uh, going to talk about a bunch of Houston guys, whether you ask him about it or not. But um, I think that uh, Marcus Sasser uh, is pretty interesting as this ba- uh, back-end first type guy. Uh, maybe for me, probably more of a second-rounder, but he is... Um, uh, he's smaller in stature, but he's super well built. He's just like got that bowling ball type build where he'll just be able to uh, create with even strength based creation despite his size. Um, awesome shooter off the catch. I think that's really the appeal to him. I think that the shooting has um, been what's drawn a lot of NBA interest with him. Uh, in terms of how he creates space off the dribble, I think that it's limited with his size, and I think that uh, it also limits his accessibility as a point guard to what passes he can make. So uh, I think he's a productive college guy. I think he can be an okay catch-and-shoot type guy. Um, but there's not a ton there to me that, that warrants first-round pick appeal. Um, with uh, Walker, he is um, just a tank uh, in terms of how he's built. Um, and at the high school level, IMG, he was really productive as this event creator defensively. And I think he's sort of stuck with that for Houston, uh, this year, uh, somebody that can just float, like roam around and float and just pick off passes, be a help side shot blocker, pretty much whatever defensive role you need him in that night. I think he can cover, um, on ball. I don't love it, but I think that, um, as a wing guy, you don't hate it. And I think definitely more as a big um, on ball, you, you're you fine with it. Um, you don't want him defending point guards probably because he'll get blown by, I think. But um, 
he has like just a defensive menace in terms of what he does as a rumor and help defender offensively can pass really well, see things out of the short roll, see things um, just squeeze the ball into tighter spaces. Not someone that's going to make super complex reads, but someone that can make the right read almost every time. Um, and I think that uh, the shooting is is what people are going to want to come around. Uh, I think there's hope for him to be um, more of a spot up guy. The floater is really, really good for him, um, which means we to believe, you know, that that maybe it's uh, within his his future. Uh, and then Arsenault is someone obviously that um, probably doesn't come out this year, but yeah. uh, he took a bit of a role after Sasser went down in the last game. In in Arsenault was really uh, played excellent there. Super high level event creator defensively who can. Um, get his hands on the ball uh, as picking off like uh, jumping passing lanes. And as a steals guy, super athletic and rebound super well uh, in high school showed a bit more um, shooting ability. So uh, there's things definitely to like about Arsenal. I'm not sure if he comes out this year. Uh, if he does, I would, I would definitely use a pick on him, but um, I'm just not quite sure if he'll, he'll remain in this draft or not. This is probably not, the Houston game for people to spend a ton of time on just because if everybody's healthy and play, I think they win by 25, but um, <laughs> Marcus Sasser may not play this game just because they want to give him a full couple days of rest uh, coming off a, a little nagging injury there. Uh, but watch Jairus Walker at some point. I'm a little lower than consensus, but Stone gave you all the reasons why he's interesting. And I think he does make sense for the Wizards. Uh, next game here, 940 CBS, Louisiana against Tennessee. You've got Josiah Jordan James, a 6'6 combo guard that I don't think is draft worthy personally. Then you've got freshman wing, 6'7, uh, Julian Phillips. I see him like, I've seen him on like top 20 on some boards. I, I just, <laughs> I don't know. Tennessee's the least fun watch maybe in college basketball because <laughs> it's always a rock fight. They won a game 43 to 42 this year and shot below 30% from the field, below 10% from three, and below 50% from three point line or uh, free throw line. Like, they're not fun, so maybe that's why I don't enjoy Julian Phillips. But uh, do you see him as a a first round kind of guy? Uh, I think he's going to be right around there for me. Um, probably right around thirty. Uh, in high school, he was definitely more of a shooter than he was able to show for Tennessee. Uh, so I do buy it long term. I think that he is um, one of these guys that can be an ineffective defensive player but also space the floor at a high level if the shot eventually gets back to where it was in high school um he makes the right decision a lot of times the right read so you feel comfortable with him on the floor um he's going to be right around 30 for me i think the role really limited him at tennessee but uh, there's upside there for sure uh triple j and josiah jordan james not the not the one from the grizzlies um is definitely uh interesting for me as probably more of a two-way guy someone that um, is uh, lanky, can do a lot of things defensively, funky stuff on offense. Um, Santiago Vescovi is like an awesome shooter for Tennessee. Probably someone I'd also give a two-way to. Um, I think that he uh, has the, uh, he's been at Tennessee for since probably as long as I've been born um, and is uh, always shot at a high level. Uh, so I really like the versatility of his shot too. So someone I would consider. I love watching Zakai Zegler play, um, but he's just not an NBA guy to me. Uh, super fun college guy, though. Also, I forget what he tore, but he tore something and is out for yeah, this tournament. So, folks, Tennessee's an upset. Yeah, yeah, exactly. He, he's probably the most fun watch on the team, to your point, and, and people won't even get to see him. Uh, next game here, 955 on TBS. You have Penn State 
which a lot of local folks will enjoy because somehow people around here all like Penn State, it seems like. And then they play Texas A&M, somehow the second best team in the SEC regular season, but gets a seven seed, which is wild to me. Uh, not really too many NBA level guys from here. I think Jalen Pickett, sort of a six four post up point guard uh, for Penn State is interesting. He's a guy I would give a two way to just because he's an MFer. I love MFers. Uh, and then you've got Wade Taylor for Texas A&M, crazy, productive, fun college player, probably six one ish, maybe I'd say, uh, probably not an NBA player, but might be a fun guy that does some stuff in the G league longer term. Yeah. Um, I think Pickett is the, the interesting one there. Um, I think that that's where people are going to be tuning in for, if you're tuning in for prospect stuff, um, He's a fifth-year senior, so definitely quite a bit older, um, which <clears throat> does matter, um, I think, for players. Uh, he has uh, been really productive at the collegiate level. He's shot at a pretty decent rate um, throughout his collegiate career. Uh, this year, he's been really efficient just overall. Um, shows some point guard skills, the ability to you know play at a pick and roll and things like that. Uh, I don't know if he's quite draft worthy for me. Um, I think I'm with you. He's more of like a two way guy, mm -hmm. someone I'd invite to a summer league, something like that. Yeah. Um, but I'm not. I'm not sure. I'd I'd spend a draft pick on him. Um, and then Wade, I'm I'm just I'm not really into as as an NBA guy at all. Yeah, if he was on somebody's summer league roster or backup point guard on a G League team or something, I think he'd be perfectly yeah. fine as a ball mover type. But uh, last game of the day. Uh, 10.05 Eastern Time on True TV. We have UNC Asheville against UCLA. Let's actually start with UNC Asheville. Most of these lower seeds didn't have guys, so uh, let's show them mm -hmm. a little love. Uh, they have senior uh, forward, I guess maybe center for their team, but forward in the NBA probably. Drew Pember, 6'10", averages 21.9, two and a half blocks a game, uh, high 30% or high 30s from three on like five-ish attempts. Did nothing in two years at Tennessee and then has been good as shit for two years at UNC Asheville. I don't know what that means. I'm going to choose to blame Rick Barnes and not him. Uh, but this is a dude that could like space the floor. Uh, earlier in the year, he had like a 40 point game where he hit like 10 threes or something crazy. Like he can just absolutely shoot it. I think I don't know what he does defensively at the NBA level because not like an insane athlete. But to me, like I fully buy the shooting, and I think if he has open looks on an NBA court, he's a guy that would hit like forty percent of them. Uh, what do you think of Drew Pember's NBA prospects? Um, I definitely he's someone I have to watch more of, um, to be transparent. But I do think from the limited sample size that I have seen, he's someone that uh, you always are intrigued by guys that are six nine, six ten, and can really, really shoot it, uh, which Pember can. Um, I think that defensively, like you're hopeful that he can fill a role as a um, help side rim protector probably i mm -hmm. uh, not definitely not a primary guy but someone that i think you might be able to cause issues with um if, if he's uh, uh able to you know come over from the weak side um i think that uh i mean all the indicators like the free throw percentage the um, mid-range shot all show that he, he's going to be probably fine as a shooter um I, I don't know what his prospects are. Again, I have to watch more as far as what he does outside of the shooting. Um, but uh, I think that, uh, I mean, he's he's a name on my list. So at the very least, um, I must have thought at some point that he's he's worthwhile for watching. Um, I just, I need to have a stronger opinion on him to really say much more. 
if he's available at 50 and I'm the Wizards and I desperately need shooting, he's a guy I would take a shot on just because. Uh, I can't wait to watch the NBA draft and see whoever ESPN throws out there and make like the lazy white guy to white guy comp. We need to get every <laughs> tournament or every uh, draft night and somebody will call him this year's Mike Muscala or something. And uh, that'll that'll just make me uh, very happy. Uh, all right. Moving on to UCLA. Uh, you've got Jaime Jaquez, six seven senior, more of like a bully ball post up mid range guy, but uh, also an mf'er. I just love this dude. I would take <laughs> him probably like in the top thirty five somewhere, and I he'll be on my list of twenty five guys in this draft. I actually like. I'm not saying I would take him with the top <laughs> twenty pick, but just a dude. I, I'm like about. Uh, you have Amari Bailey, six foot five freshman. I'm kind of meh on personally. Uh, Jalen Clark was probably the most fun wing defender on their team. He's out for the tournament, unfortunately. And then you have Adam Bona, six foot nine, uh, just really athletic freshman. The other guy I had heard somebody compare to uh, Mari Stoudemire at some point this year, which is absolutely insane <laughs> as well, uh, could also potentially be hurt. Um, Jalen Clark took tour an Achilles that took them a while to mention him. Bona got hurt in their conference tournament and is listed as like day to day. Wouldn't shock me if he missed this first round game, which would make Pember really intriguing then and put them on upset watch. Uh, where are you with the UCLA guys? Anyone that you like above the rest or higher on the consensus? Yeah, they have a lot of um, just sort of interesting, maybe like more fringier names. Um, Hawk is, uh, I've, I mean, I don't know how long he's been at UCLA now. I remember watching him as a senior in That's high 1997, school. 1997, it feels like. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, another one of these guys where I feel like I've at this point grown up with him. He's um, been uh, someone that for UCLA has been there a long time. I, I watched him before UCLA. Very um, the athletic concerns are what I think holds him back um, for being like a, a consensus top 40 type guy. Um, I think that uh, struggling to create space for himself is going to be an issue at the NBA level. But I think he's also one of these guys that just feels like a winning player. I'm with you where it's just like he... He makes a lot of winning plays, knows where to be, um, knows what to do, uh, the decisions to make, can pass as like the secondary creator, um, I think can be a good enough off-ball catch-and-shoot type guy, uh, cutter, driver. He's big. He's listed at 6'7". He definitely grew, I think, since that listing. Like, he looks definitely taller than he did his freshman or I, sophomore year. I was year. within like 50 feet of him in person this year, and, and he felt bigger than that, and he also looks longer than that to me. Yeah. He's he's grown for sure since since his uh, first year or two at UCLA, and I think that um, he's going to be just probably like a power forward at the NBA level who's um, can space the floor and do some funky things with the ball. So for me, he's probably 40, 45, around in that range. Um, I like him more than the other prospects, I think, right now for UCLA. Amari Bailey had a lot of high school hype coming into this year. I think he probably goes back to college. Mm. Um, he's one of these another questionable one and done type guys. Um, he, he he's just got to show more in terms of being a consistent scorer. I mean that's that's where all of the NBA hype is coming from is his scoring. And I think that in order to really prove himself, he's got to be more consistent with it. Um, his mom dates Drake. That's something for that, right? I mean, <laughs> yeah. that's noteworthy. Yeah, I think I think that 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 got more headlines at certain points than than his actual play. Unfortunately, um, Bona was someone I just really did not see any NBA prospects with at the high school level. I was like, can this guy even play basketball? Um, I haven't watched enough 
UCLA in the later portion of the season to change my opinion on that yet. So I I have heard that he's played much better. Yeah, I need to watch it for myself to really um, formulate that opinion. But from what I saw in the early seasons of the UCLA and in high school, I was very underwhelmed. Um, and then Jalen Clark, uh, awesome high level defender. I don't think he's like outliers defensively to the point like McCuller might be mm-hmm. to warrant a pick because offensively I feel like he does nothing uh, at an NBA level. Um, I think he's going to be a liability on that end. And um, if you're not at the point defensively where you're like a McCuller or like a thigh bowl and can get minutes um, to that level of a defender, uh, I feel like it's really difficult for me to see an NBA role for you. So uh, all the best wishes to him in terms of his injury. Hopefully he heals up quickly uh, and is able to get picked. Um, but again, he may be another guy that returns just because that injury throws things off a little bit for him. Everybody has made a big deal about how the probably, I don't know, four of the top 10 picks in this year's draft are not playing in college basketball this year in <laughs> Victor Wembanyama, uh, Scoot Henderson and the Thompson twins. But Pretty much everyone else in that top 10 is playing on Thursday in the NCAA tournament with the exception of Keontae George, who will catch on Friday, and maybe he's a top 10 pick, but in, in that range. Uh, so some really high-level guys, just recap for me, the lower-tier guys that are probably second-rounders that I'm interested in, Jalen Wilson, Kevin McCullough, Trayvon Brazil, who you won't see in this tournament. I think Drew Pember is interesting, and then just love me some Jaime Jaquez. Uh, Stone, just to recap, any of these guys that... Um, you know, you would really kind of put your reputation out there for of like being better than than they end up being drafted at. Uh, I think again for me, McCuller was someone that really stands out that I think I'm higher on than a lot of people. Um, for Arkansas, we we I think skipped over him real quick, but Jordan Walsh, um, I really like him. Uh, I liked him a lot in high school. Probably returns uh, because he just didn't get the role at Arkansas, but. Um, for me, just a high-level event creator defensively and someone that is uber-athletic. Um, I watched him in high school at the Geico tournament for Link Academy. He was super uh, high-level as a uh, – showed a lot more shooting and, and someone that could handle the ball a lot more than he's been able to show Arkansas. In Arkansas, he's not been a ball handler at all. So um, there's offensive upside there for him to, to be someone that I think would be a worthwhile lottery pick um, eventually in the future. Um and then obviously Brazil we mentioned. Uh yeah, I think that's about it. Not not too many other things that I'm outlierishly high on or or low on. And most importantly, Stone, where can people find your work? Uh you could follow me at report underscore court on Twitter. That's where we'll be posting all of my work or anything that I'm involved in. Um, I'm obviously a part of the Upside Swing sort of collective, um, where we do draft podcasts all the time um that are hopefully pretty in depth uh, and uh, can help people formulate uh, a little bit more opinions uh, on on the draft and, and players in it. I've mentioned this a dozen times because each member of the show has now been on multiple times. Um, but uh, so I appreciate you and your co-hosts and at least one of them will be back for the Friday uh, prospects. So appreciate you guys for doing that. But you guys are the ones I really turn to for like getting me smarter on everyone that, you know, isn't a lottery kind of guy. So I appreciate that for fans that are interested in um, like real in-depth analysis. And also none of you are afraid to break from consensus, which I really appreciate. It won't just be uh, you regurgitating the ESPN mock draft. So uh, <laughs> um, that's that's really refreshing. So Upside Swings is the podcast. I'll link it in the description here. Everybody make sure to check it out. Rate, review, subscribe, all that good stuff. And we will catch you next time. And we are presented by betonline.ag. 
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.